Hey everyone, it's Matt Johnson here with Jeff Cohn of Elite Real Estate Systems. We just want to welcome you to the special hangout. We're going to talk about the fastest way to six figures in real estate. So let's bring in Jeff. Jeff, how's it going? Hey Matt, things are great. Good. So uh, we got a lot of uh, we got a lot of ground to cover today. So I want you to take me back to when you were kind of first starting out, and mm -hmm. what were the first steps that you took to uh, to lay the foundation for what eventually became a very successful solo career, uh, and and share a little bit about how you know I guess what the outcome was sure. before you started a team. You know, Matt, I, I get asked that all the time. You know, at different events and on podcasts and. I think sometimes the answer is not super exciting because it really does come down to hard work. But a lot of times when you talk to agents about working harder, a lot of them unfortunately don't know how to work harder. Either they haven't been given the tools or the systems or the dialogues and they don't know where to put that energy. And that's what's so awesome about our hangout today. I'm excited to talk about it because for 80 or 90% of the agents out there, these are some of the things that will help you be better. Most agents have already heard a lot of the things I think that we have to share. But this, this hangout today is going to reinforce the fact that it really does come back down to hard work. So uh, answering your question directly, what were some of the things that I did? Day one, I get my license. It was 2006 in November. And I knew over a course of six months that I probably wasn't going to sell a lot of real estate. That's at least what people were telling me. I wanted to sell, obviously, but people were saying I wouldn't sell a ton. My goal was to build as big of a network as possible of individuals that I already knew and coming in contact with new relationships and meet these people in person. And I know a lot of times, Matt, you referenced the seven levels of communication by Michael Mayer, a fabulous book. If you haven't read it, you have to read it. But it does talk a lot about the different ways that we can communicate with our audience. And face-to-face -face is absolutely the best way. And so my goal was to find, I would call them my champions. Those are the people that would refer business to me. And I would engage with them at a personal level by you know, meeting with them for a coffee or a soda or whatever. Now, how did you uh, like where where did you start in terms of like the numbers of people that you had in your database and what did that eventually grow to when you were sure. making six figures just to give people an idea? Yeah. So I, I graduated from college with a degree in business in like September, October of 2006. And when I decided to go into real estate, I wanted to I had a, the idea that I would start a real estate team eventually, but I wanted to become the best agent I could personally be before I chose to lead others to become great agents. And so I went into it knowing I'd build this big team and want a big database but I didn't have any people in a database. I had, I had nobody. So I had an Excel spreadsheet on my laptop at the time. I had a Dell laptop, um, which now just seems ancient. But uh, I put as many names in there as I could of friends and parents of friends and family and people I go to church with and guys that I was playing sports with or whoever I could think of that knew my name. And I created a list within about a month or two of about 500 people. And I just put them into a simple Excel spreadsheet. Okay. So what did that, uh, that's how you started. Now, where did that grow to? And, and what, who are the people that you actually kept in that Excel mm -hmm. spreadsheet? Was it people, was it just everybody that you knew everybody that right. knew your name? Great question. So in the beginning, it was anyone I, that knew my name that I thought would refer business to me or actually directly work with me. But I knew in a, in a course of three to six months out of 500 people, not all of them are going to buy or sell a house with me. The average at that time that NAR came out with was like every person bought or sold in six to seven years. I think today it's like 11 to 12 years. So I knew there were people in there that would buy and eventually they did. What was more important to me was building that relationship of trust so that they knew me, liked me, trusted me, and they felt comfortable and confident that when they came across other people thinking about buying or selling, they could refer them my way. And so really what I was doing, I was training my database to refer business to me. And so I wanted to meet every person on that list that I felt would be influential in the lives of others and teach them how to refer to me. 
So I'd literally do role plays with them when I was in person and over the phone. I'd give them business cards and I would teach them how to refer. It's so simple, but people are scared to open their mouths and give out a referral, especially when it's to somebody that they've never used before. So I wanted to make sure that they knew there was a value in referring me to their friends and family and I showed them how to do that as well. That's really interesting. <laughs> I've never heard you say anything like that before. You actually role played with them to teach them how to send you business. Absolutely. That. Yep. Right. A lot of people are probably now wondering, what did I teach them? So let's go into that real fast, Matt. I would want to know, what did he say to them? So it's simple. When they were at an event, I would say to them, you're at church, you're at a game, you're at a movie, whatever it is, and someone's talking about buying or selling a house, but they mention that they haven't selected an agent, or they haven't even mentioned it, you can now say, have you selected an agent? And even if they say yes, you say to them, well, I have a really good friend, and I know them because of whatever it is, and I think that you should at least give them an opportunity to meet with you and show you what they can provide to you. He or she is super driven, super successful, has a degree, whatever accolades you want them to give of, of you. But the most important thing is that they then say, would it be okay with you if I gave my friend your contact information? It's no longer, here's my friend's business card, give them a call because they get 10 other agents' business cards. Most importantly, it's, would it be all right if I shot them your contact info off my phone and had them reach out to you sometime in the next week or so? And that's what I got hundreds of people to do for me, Matt. That's why I was able my first 12 months to sell over 60 houses. Nice. <laughs> that's insane. I mean, that's well, it. Well, it's a really, really good idea, but that you had the, uh, the confidence to train them how to send you referrals is phenomenal. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into, I think probably a big hurdle for people when they do sit down and, and people have heard that advice before, you know, get out the memory jogger, write down everybody, you know, let them know that right. you're in the business. But I think people probably let themselves get stopped by the fact that they feel like they're taking value by, by keeping in contact, you know, constant contact with those people. So what are some of the things that you did? Um, maybe some of the types of calls or the types of yep. value that you provide to kind of great question yeah great question them. always are like you just pointed out you're always giving them something I, it feels dirty and you know for those out there that have made expired calls fizzbo just listed just sold in the beginning it feels icky to use my sixth six-year-old's word it just feels wrong to reach out to people because in your heart you're feeling like you're reaching out to them because you want them to give you something and so I wanted to change it where I felt like every phone call I made I was offering something and I'm gonna give you a couple examples number one um, in most markets your your clients are in a county that has an assessor that goes out and values property usually the assessor will have something set up where you can um, compete with the assessed value that they give that clients property and so a month before that process starts within your your county you could reach out to your clients and let them know that you're you can help them come up with some comparables of homes that have sold in the neighborhood to compete against um, th that county's evaluation of their property that would be one idea uh, another one anyone that owns property wants to know what the house is worth at any given month or any given quarter of the year but most people don't know how to go about finding that out of course there's like Zillow's estimate and some websites can do a quick home valuation but one of the things that I do to help a uh, sellers keep tabs of their neighborhoods is just essentially set them up on an automatic email of homes that either sell if your IDX allows that or homes that go on the market everyone I've ever asked this question to Matt I'll say hey would you be interested in getting automatic emails anytime a house gets listed in your specific subdivision it doesn't cost anything and it's all automated it won't be me having to go in and send it every single time would that be something you'd like to receive I've never had someone say no there's no reason to say no everyone wants to know I I want to have that I actually set it up for myself I want to know what's going <laughs> you know I want to know so it's a something of value um, if the person doesn't own a house, it's the same exact thing on the buy side. Even if they're not buying for three years from now, let's say it's a buddy in college that knows they're going to buy a house in 
three, four years. Ask them what the first house would be that they would purchase. If you could purchase today, what would it be? Or what would your dream house look like? Would it be all right if I set you up an automatic email so every time a house hits the market that meets that criteria, you'll get an email? And what's nice is today I have a system called Boomtown, which a lot of listeners have heard of that before, and you can set the automatic emails to go out daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, however often you'd like so that people aren't just getting inundated depending on when their desire is to buy or sell. Um, and then the last thing I'll throw out there is um, any type of giveaways. Um, a lot of times we'll do like a pie giveaway over Christmas or we'll let people use our moving truck or we'll invite people to like a bounce house or a 4th of July party or something. Always have some type of an event that you can invite people to and let them know if they'd like to go to that event then they need to come into the office to pick up a ticket to go to the event and that's a nice opportunity also to have them see your office, see that you're actually real and you're phys you have a physical location and you're a professional and that's how you build relationships. Now, yeah, which is insanely, I mean, it's, it's very systematic and it kind of, it basically solves that problem of feeling like you're taking value, but mm -hmm. how, how often are you reaching out to these people in your database with a message like of some type of message where it's actually every, you reaching out? Every 90 days, you have to reach out to every single person in your sphere. Okay. And that seems like a lot. That's not a lot of phone calls. Also, if people don't answer the phone, which sometimes it feels like I can get away with a lot of people not answering the phone, you leave a voicemail. And what's nice is if you use a system like Mojo Dialer, you can do pre-recorded voicemails. So essentially, I could have a voicemail, Matt, that I pre-record that says, hey, it's Jeff Cohn. It's been a while since we chatted because I know it's been 90 days. And I just wanted to touch base and see how things were going. Also wanted to remind you we have a moving truck if you ever need that or I can set you up, you know, whatever the value add is. And then you just say, thanks again. Call me if I can ever do anything for you. Well, anytime someone doesn't answer on the Mojo system, I can drop that voicemail and move on to the next prospecting call as a three-line dialer. So that's been amazing to get through a list of a couple hundred people. Honestly, you can get through 100 numbers an hour. So everyone says, oh, that's so hard to call everyone in my sphere every quarter. It's not hard. Uh, agents just aren't working hard. <laughs> But you would take it, yeah. You take them, drop out the, the mic, database, load them up into, mo <laughs> load them up into Mojo, and that's how you get through a hundred calls an hour. So, which which makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and it's like a hundred. Uh, Mojo costs about one hundred and fifty bucks a month. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean that's that's an amazing system to get on because uh, if you, especially if you can throw your database in there. So right. basically, you're calling them every ninety days. You're providing value. Now, depending on the size, I don't know how big your database was at its peak, and maybe you can share that. But I mean, for yeah. most agents, let's say they know a few hundred people that they feel like would would refer them business. Yeah. I don't know that you can build a six-figure income in most markets unless you're an extremely high price point where that's going to sustain you or build a six-figure income. So where do you go from there? Yeah, I, and I would disagree. I think that anyone is capable of a six-figure income in any market, and I know that because I've met a lot of agents in a lot of markets, in all markets, that have six-figure incomes. Um, to your point, I guess, I don't know how many agents their first year, but there are a lot of them. If you decide to go after it the same way I'm sharing with you right now in the Hangout, to go after it, you will be successful. The holdup is a lot of people can't find the value add for the first couple of years. It takes them a while to gain that confidence, and for some reason, I have something broken in my brain. I went right into it thinking I could add value, when maybe I didn't add as much value as I wish I had the first 12 months, but I believed I could. And I think that that's the thing that helps people know you like you trust you is that belief that you're gonna give value to them. But back to the contact. So every 90 days, I try to reach out and have this relationship, obviously, and train them to refer business back to me. Mm -hmm. 
once I had my sphere established, the best person to go after to get referrals were the current clients I was working with today and the clients that had already bought or sold homes with me. And so I had separate tabs in my Excel spreadsheet. One tab was sphere of influence, anyone I thought would buy, sell, or refer. Then I had, a, once any of those people actually worked with me or referred to me, they went into a different tab. So I had a tab of all the people that had ever referred a house to me. I even would track how many referrals, the names of the people they referred. I, I even had it down to how much money I made off each person. So I knew it, when Christmas rolled around, if you were getting a calendar or a box of Omaha steaks, depending on how much money this individual had made me, I would then give them gifts based on the value of the relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so anytime someone would buy or sell a home with me, obviously they'd go into a closed category of buyer or closed category of seller. Those are the, ap the absolute best person to call for referrals is the client you're working with now, which is a scary phone call for a lot of agents because you're hoping they buy a house with you and now you're calling them and asking them to refer business to you. But the reason they're the best person to ask for referrals is their life is buying a house. They've told everyone at work, they've told everyone at soccer, they've told everyone at church that they're buying a house. And when they, when they talk about it, other people are saying, oh, we're buying a house too, or oh, my sister's buying a house too. And so because they're talking about it more than anybody else in your sphere, they're the best person that's most likely to come in contact with other individuals that are thinking about buying or selling a house. So it's important, the first time I ever would meet with a new prospective buyer, I would explain to them the relationship with me and that buyer was not that buyer purchasing a home with me, but what was more important was that buyer referring business to me and having a long-term relationship of trust so that they would always feel comfortable referring business my way. And what I found would happen is some of my buyers never bought a house and a lot of agents would get upset with buyers that didn't buy houses. I had trained them to refer business to me. So I honestly didn't care if they bought a house with me because I knew they were gonna refer seven people to me over the next 12 months. <laughs> nice. Okay, now what's, uh, I think another area where agents would have trepidation with that is because, the, you know, there's always the chance of deals falling apart, you know, things towards the end of the transaction, or maybe once the contract is executed and it's not closed yet, there's so much potential for things to go wrong. So how did you get around that to where you had the confidence to ask for referrals, even though the deal wasn't done yet? Uh-huh. Um, I just, I, I knew from the beginning that the best value was going after the people that were in the middle of a, a contract with me. The, the most awkward one getting over was people that I personally just didn't feel like we had a really good connection or maybe a seller whose home's not selling as quickly as I hoped it would. And now I'm asking them for a referral and I feel like maybe the value add, they don't perceive that the value I provide is where they would need it to be to be able to refer business back to me. And let's just keeping it real here, Matt. I didn't always ask everyone for referrals. There were, obviously you're gonna have relationships where you're like, I know Jeff Cohn said to ask for referrals and I just don't want to, then don't. I only did it with the people that I thought would probably refer business to me. I didn't do it with every single person every single time. But a majority of the time, that's where my mindset is. And even to this day, flash forward nine years, and I have now have a team of 30 people, I teach all of my agents these exact same techniques that the relationships that they have with people are not based on those people buying or selling homes with them. The relationship that they and we have with people are based on those people's ability to refer business back to us. And if you can go into relationships that way and you don't look at each individual as a dollar sign but the potential of what they could refer to you over your lifetime with them, your business will build 10 times faster than what it would build if you look at everybody like a future commission check. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's probably a, a key difference in the way people perceive your value too, is when you value the relationship more than the transaction, they're much, much more likely to look at you differently as an agent and much more likely to, to trust that you're going to handle their referrals correctly. So, um, yeah. oh, which brings up, I did want to ask a quick question. So um, when you're dealing with referrals, how did you 
instill that sense of trust and kind of keep the people that this is awesome business. Yeah, absolutely. This is awesome. So every time I'd ever get a referral, Matt, I would send a thank, a handwritten thank you letter with a $5 gift card to Starbucks or wherever. Something of value, but not a lot of value. It's five bucks. Independent of if I ever got a hold of the referral. So obviously I train people to give me people's contact info. So if I reached out that someone gives me a, a piece of contact information or says to me that they had given my business card to somebody or referred me to somebody or Facebook somebody, whatever it might have been, they're getting a $5 gift card. Independent of the result. And most agents don't do anything for someone until the, the deal closes, which I think is a huge dysfunction. We're helping them refer business. They have won if they refer business. It's now my responsibility to reach out to that lead, get them to become a client and convert the deal to close. When it does convert to close, I'm now either going to personally with my spouse take them to dinner and spend about 100 to $250 on a nice dinner with the person that referred someone to me. Let's keep in mind they just made me five to $7,000. So it's worth a $200 dinner. Um, and or I'll send them a, a gift. And there's laws about this, but I usually would kick out a $50 gift card for dinner, a $100 gift card, depending on the price point and how much I made off of the transaction. Um, but always showing the, the individuals that do refer to me that I value the referral and it means a lot. Also, keeping the referral, the referee up to date as to the status of the person that they referred to me. So when I first engage with that person, the person that they had referred to me, I'll call the person that had referred them and say, hey, just so you know, I got in contact with so-and-so. Thanks again. Sounds like a great family. I'm excited to work with them. And then once it goes under contract, I'm, I'm going to call again and say, hey, just want to let you know they did just purchase a house. This is the area. I'm really excited. Thanks again. And then, of course, post-closing, they're getting invited to dinner and or I'm sending that gift card. So making sure you keep that relationship going. And then of course the follow-up every, I told you quarterly, you want to call someone in your sphere, people that refer to you, you want to call every 30 days and keep that relationship as a, a monthly relationship. Gotcha. And then, so you're tracking then in the spreadsheet, like who they referred. And that way, when you're making some sort of update call, it's not just a value add to them. You're also keeping track of that information. That's exactly, that's why I'm absolutely, that's part of the update call is um, to not only ask for more referrals, but keep them updated. And just the fact that you're keeping them updated, they have to end that experience. So if someone says, use Matt Johnson to buy a house, and then the person ends up using Matt Johnson and the relationship ends, and that person says to the person that referred them, I'm so happy you referred me Matt Johnson. He's amazing. That person's now going to refer a lot more business to you. But if they say, you know what? I know you referred me to Matt Johnson. The guy's a slob. Uh, we went out with him twice and it didn't work out. I hated that guy. They will never refer you again. So always be thinking about that. When someone gets referred to you, you need to treat that client. In my mind, obviously treat everyone the same. But if you were to give preferential you know, treatment to anyone, it needs to be the people that get referred to you because they have to go back to the individual that referred you and say, this guy's for real. Thanks so much. It means so much to me. That's a, that's a key part of this whole equation. Yeah, and, and you've alluded to it before uh, on other Hangouts, just how, how much of a difference it makes just working with quality uh, vendors, quality lender partners, and all of this oh. stuff. It makes such a huge, huge difference in referrals. Every single individual you choose to partner with in your business, the inspection company, the warranty company, the title company, the brokerage in which you choose to work, all will have an effect on receiving future referrals from those clients and refer referrals from people that have never bought or sold with you. Every single individual, you know, I like that whole thing, you're only as strong as your weakest link. That analogy is exactly applicable to our industry. If, you, if they have a horrible experience with one piece of the puzzle, which I think someone at one point told me 42 different individuals touch a real estate transaction from start to finish. If they have a bad experience with any of those pieces, who gets blamed? 
People yeah. always wonder why realtors usually rank low on the list. The realtor gets blamed for every single thing. We fall on the sword for everything. And I'm I'm fine with that. I think we should because it's your responsibility to make sure those 42 people are the best people within your industry. And when people do have problems within any of those experiences that are on the path to close, it's your responsibility as the agent to step in and fix it. Even if a lot of agents are like, well, that's not my job. Yes, it is your job. Your job is to play liaison between the starting relationship with the lead all the way to close and even past closing to make sure that that person had a good experience. That's what we do. We are a service industry. Yep, absolutely true. So we've got uh, we got about 10 minutes left. I want to make sure that we cover a couple more things um, that you've uh, mentioned to me that I, I want to get down in, in this type of format because going beyond the referral generation strategies, which is enough to make, you know, most agents six figures in any market. You're right about that, depending on the size of their database. Right. But what if you want to get the results faster and you want to start adding prospecting? Or let's say we take your advice from the last hangout where you hire a transaction coordinator. All of a sudden you have four or five, six hours a day of free time on your hand you didn't have. Before. Right. So what's you know, that next step? I would say, Matt, the first 12 months you should, yes, everyone should hire a transaction coordinator. But the first 12 months, I want the agent to do everything. I want them to feel the pain of the start to finish. I want them to understand the paperwork on both sides of the transaction and know how long it takes to do it because they then will need to turn around and train a great listing coordinator, a great buyer's coordinator, a great transaction coordinator on how to touch the paper. So if an agent themselves doesn't know how to touch it, how do you hold someone else accountable? And how do you, you know, how do you work that entire process? So, so they need to develop their own systems. That's what I believe. Accountable to the their first first. 12 months. Absolutely. But to your, to answer your question. So we've talked about sphere this entire call. If you do want to add something else, I think agents knee jerk reaction is to do internet leads. Cause when they listen to podcasts of top teams that have five, 600 deals a year, those guys are all doing internet leads. Well, my recommendation is not to do internet leads until you're much bigger than that. Because when you're generating leads from the internet, my recommendation is that you're not working those yourselves. Your team is working those leads. Those are the hardest leads to convert. So why would you want to invest money into something that's going to be the hardest thing to convert? Obviously, the easiest to convert is leads from your sphere or working your sphere themselves. Second best place to go find leads is the prospecting efforts. And a lot of people say, well, what does prospecting mean? In my definition, it's a relationship you build with anyone that doesn't know your name if you were to come across them on the street. So when you prospect, you're creating new relationships with people that wouldn't know you if you met them today. This could be somebody that you join a softball league or you decide to start going to your kid's soccer practice and talking to the parents instead of sitting in your car the whole time and opening up your mouth and building quality relationships, but you also are going to make sure that everyone knows you're a res you know, your real estate agent can provide services in that way. Um, other things like open houses in certain markets and in certain times, open houses are great. Right now in our market in Omaha, we're doing a fabulous job. We're, we're getting a lot of deals under contract from open houses. And then there's your traditional just listed, just sold calls, market update calls, where you call individuals in a, any given neighborhood and let them know how great the market is. And then you have expired and for sale by owner. I threw a lot of ideas out there. For a newer agent, I'd say pick two or three and put a lot of time behind those two or three and figure out which one you can be best at. And then just focus on one of those vehicles for a quarter or two, so three to six months. And what I think happens too often, Matt, is we get all these messages from all these places and all these great ideas and we, we try to do it all. Don't do it all today. Eventually you'll have pieces of all of it and your team will implement all of these ideas. But today when you're just one person, pick the things that you enjoy doing. Don't go and do it just because some guy on a podcast said to do it. Pick the thing that you want to do that you think you can make successful and give it everything you got. And I know you'll have success. But anyone that's going to put a focus towards any prospecting vehicle is going to see a positive ROI on their efforts. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely they will. 
Um, now you've mentioned it before, just in passing, you know, that you would spend, I think you said something to the tune of 90 minutes a day, but you wouldn't always do the same thing as every day. So what was your, like when you were an active um, yep. agent within it, whether you had an assistant or yep. not, like what was your system for prospecting? So I liked to spend two hours a day. It really boiled down to probably about 90 minutes to 120 minutes, depending on how much effort I had to put loading in the data. But I like to change my pro approach every day. So I had five days a week I dedicated to prospecting and in my mindset it was two hours a day to each of those things. I recommend to anyone listening three hours. What I've seen across the country and I visited over 50 brick and mortars, Matt, the agents that produce at a very high level and I'm talking two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year level by themselves with maybe a transaction coordinator, they are hitting the phones for three hours a day. This is the piece that's not glamorous, that HGTV doesn't show you, but when you decide to get into real estate, if you want to produce at this high of a level, get ready to buckle up in your desk chair and pick up a phone and start making phone calls. People do not want to hear from your assistant. People do not want to get an email, a text message, a mailer in the, in the mail from you. They want to hear from you because as everybody knows, time uh, is spelled, or sorry, it's love is spelled T-I-M-E. So people want to be loved by you. They want Matt Johnson calling. They want to hear Matt's voice. And that's why it's so important even with the Mojo Dialer, I queue up my voicemail. It's my voice. They feel important because I'm reaching out to them, not somebody I hired. And for the rest of your career, if you're working in the agent capacity and you don't exit your business, you need to be making three hours of calls a day. So what I would do is one day I'd focus on expired calls. One day I would focus on for sale by owner calls. One day I'd focus on just listed and just sold calls. One day I'd work my sphere of influence was anybody that had never bought, sold, or referred. And then one day I would work just on people that had bought and sold with, with me. And so they all got my attention each day, but it was always a different bucket that I was going to put my attention towards. And I actively would think, because I'm a little insane, I would spend the weekend before making prospecting calls thinking of each of the buckets and thinking this coming week, what can I say differently? What can I add a value that's different? How can I make this call different than any other call that I made? So then when I actually was able to connect in all those different calls, they were hearing a new message. I always wanted to be a message above my competition, a value add piece above my competition, always adding value, always creating better relationships than what I believed my competition was creating with the same individuals. Yeah, and that, that is something that uh, is separated on the database and the sphere side too, is this the, the idea and I don't know, it's just, it's a mental outlook on things that yes, I can provide value. I just have to find what it is and then yeah. let's take with it. Let's experiment with it until we find what works best and then yep. roll with that, but always keep trying new things to see if there's something that you can top even your best with. Yep. You know, and I always tell people, sometimes people want to invest in software or invest in pictures or videos or whatever the thing might be. That's maybe five years ahead of what their market has. I don't think you need to be five years ahead. All you need to be is ahead of your, your best competition. Find the guy in the market that has the absolute best pictures and then just be a little better than those. Find the guy in your market that might use a stager on some of his houses and do a stager on all of your houses. Always provide a little more than everybody else in your market and you'll continue to be a winner. And I don't believe it's because of the value that you're providing. I believe it's because of the confidence it will instill in you when you're approaching people in a sales environment. When you yeah, have the confidence- Because they don't know, they don't know the- They don't know the difference. Yeah, think how often you look at other people in your market that are having success, but you know what they're providing and they're not providing anything more than smoke and mirrors. Yeah. No offense to my market, but every market it's gonna be over half the agents aren't really doing much of anything. I see pictures, countless pictures that people are taking with their iPhones. And a seller is giving them five or 6% for someone to take pictures with their iPhone. It's unbelievable to me. So 
people don't know the difference, but when you go on the appointment knowing, feeling 100% confident you're giving them more than anyone else, they can hear it. You can hear it in my voice talking about it right now. And clients can Absolutely. definitely hear it when you talk to buyers and or sellers. Um, that's another final piece, and I know we're out of time. On the buy side, people always know that there's value add pieces and ways to invest in getting listings and helping people sell property. You can do the exact same thing on the buy side. So when you talk to someone about the value add of working with you over anyone else, because a lot I hear buyers all the time say, well, I, I bought with my brother-in-law who's a, who's a schmuck because who cares? I looked for the house. I'm the one that negotiated. I did everything. If you're a good buyer's agent, you're going to provide the same service you'd provide on a listing press. So you're going to do a buyer presentation. You're going to have them sign a buyer contract, exclusive buyer agency. You're going to get them approved. You're going to show them what that whole process is going to look like over the next 60 days. You're going to put them in, in your clean car when you show property. Instead of walking around with them holding their hand throughout the house, you're going to let them just walk through the house instead of bugging them. You might even provide them with a showing assistant that they can call anytime to go look at houses so that they're not having to call you on the weekend when you're busy doing something else. And your admin staff, once you start to build your team, is going to provide them with an executed to close service that they would never dream of having if they worked with their brother-in-law, which is going to help you know, relieve the stress that a lot of people feel in the process of buying a house. So there's a lot that you can do to create value. And that's another piece I would say a parting thought is create as much value as possible for your client because in the end that's who we're serving and number two as you build your team create as much value on your team that you can provide to your agents and your staff so people choose to stay with you yeah yeah exactly and that is a uh, that is a mindset shift it's just it's part of the way that you that you look at things and it's made uh, you've been able to create an environment for your agents where you're constantly constantly adding value i mean that's something that i've noticed just being around your office a little bit it's something that comes out in in the way that you deal with uh with the buyer and seller clients because you're always looking for the next thing you're always looking to be right. a couple of years ahead uh, a little absolutely. bit ahead of the competition to provide more value so yeah, yeah i mean I, I can see that i hope it's i hope it's evident but it's a lesson that can be learned that anybody can sure. do in in their market it just depends on who you're competing against so right well, hey, let me make one last mention, Matt. Um, I own Omaha's Elite Real Estate Group in Omaha, and this year we're going to do over 600 transactions, $120 million in volume. I already said I had 30 agents. I have about seven admin. But we're looking to expand into other markets all across the country. We're already launching a, a team in San Diego, Salt Lake City, Des Moines, Sioux Falls. Uh, we're looking for more opportunities in those same markets and beyond. So if someone listening to this doesn't want to have to build all the systems on their own, they don't want to have to hold everyone accountable, they don't want to have to pay for the CRM and the website and the leads, I'm going to take on that burden 100%. And the cost to partner with me is zero. I get paid based on your results. So if that's something of interest to anyone listening today, feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to set up a demo call. Yeah, there's two ways to do that. Number one, you can learn just more about what Jeff is talking about at EliteRealEstateSystems.com. And then if you want to get in contact and reach out to us directly, you can do it through the site or you can just, Jeff, if you want to give out your direct email, that way people can schedule a call. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just going to give you my personal email on my real estate team. It's Jeff at OmahasElite.com and Omaha's, Omaha's plural. So it's J-E-F-F -F at O-M-A-H-A-S-E-L-I-T-E.com. Love to get an email from you and it will be me responding. I have yet to hire someone to do my email and phone for me. I know people in the industry have chosen to do that. I, I'm not going to do that. 
Yeah, and exactly. And uh, and if somebody, if you if you get past that demo call and you feel really good about it, and both both you and Jeff are are interested in continuing on, Jeff, you also open up the office a couple of times a month and have people in uh, for in house visits. So I wanted to make sure that you know everybody knows uh, there there's a way to move forward, obviously, but there's a way to really get to know Jeff and get to know the systems and actually see them in action. Uh, yep. Whether or not you end up partnering or not is uh, you still get and, and you'll come away with a lot of strategies and systems that you can implement in your own business. So regardless, there's a there's a huge value there. So anyway, with that, we do have to wrap up. We are completely out of time. I know, Jeff, you have a uh, another appointment right after yep. this. So yep. I'm going to let you go and be sure to reach out to Jeff at uh, his email or elite real estate systems dot com. So thanks for, so much for your time. Cool. I appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Talk to you soon.